Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Put your seatbelt on. This is going to be a very interesting show because we're going to be quoting from some great saints, St. John Paul II and St. Ambrose. So here we go. Bishop, thanks again for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Thank you, Terry. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to call this Awake from Your Slumber. You did a, a blog, and you're referring to St. John Paul II when he said this famous talk. This was on the, in, uh, I think it was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 1976 at the Eucharistic Congress. He said, we are now standing in the face of the greatest historic confrontation humanity has gone through. I do not think that the wide circles of American society are the wide circles of Christian community realize this fully. We are now facing the final confrontation between the church and the anti-church of the gospel versus the anti-gospel. This confrontation within the plans of divine providence, it is a trial which the whole church must take up. It is a trial of not only the church, but in a sense, a test of 2,000 years of culture and Christian civilization with all of its consequences for human dignity, individual rights, human rights, and the rights of nations. We must awake to the reality, and this is what you're saying, we must awake to the reality that these prophetic words of St. John Paul II, spoken in 76, are unfolding before our eyes. We must proclaim Jesus Christ more vigorously than ever before. Let us be strengthened by the words of Jesus that St. Paul repeated so often, be not afraid. That was a great tweet that you sent out. Do you really believe we are sitting, as St. John said, at this final confrontation, Bishop Strickland? Yes. I do, uh, but yeah. I, I do. I, I don't know if it's the final confrontation, but it is a confrontation with yeah, 2,000 years of culture and Christian civilization. And so much of that being thrown into question and rejected. And as as Christ promised, he would be with us until the end of the age. So he's still here. Yep. And we've got to turn to him. Well, Bishop Strickland, I'm going to play a homily from the Institute of Christ the King in Chicago. I've got many of their her sermons. And one was really uh, an Ambrosian approach to pastoral care. It was uh, way back in 390 A.D., and I'd like for you to comment on this because I think St. Ambrose has got a lot to teach us here in the 21st century. So uh, I think I can say this, that uh, the emperor at the time was Theodosius, um, and he did a horrible thing by promoting and allowing 7,000 innocent women and children to be murdered and uh, just Listen, because St. Ambrose placed himself at the door of the church and forbade the emperor to come in. He didn't allow Theodosius even to enter the holy place, but he ordered him publicly to repent and do penance. And just imagine, folks, uh, you know what that would mean as a bishop if someone like Bishop Strickland was at his cathedral in a public center. Let's say, you know, let's just be honest, like Joe Biden came in uh, to go to church and receive Holy Communion. You know, how many bishops would do what St. Ambrose did? But let's play the clip and then have Bishop Strickland give us some commentary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let me bring you to the year of the Lord, 390, in the city of Thessalonica, in Greece. A certain man was denounced 
for committing a crime and was placed in prison. But the people wanted his liberty. It seems they liked very much his skills as a charioteer. But the governor was not moved by the request of the people, and he refused to free the men. So the people started a riot, and during that riot, they killed the governor and released the charioteer. Some days after this incident, all the city gathered together for what they thought to be a charity race. But in fact, it was a trap. The imperial troops wanted to punish the people for what they had done to the governor. So they trapped everyone inside the hippodrome and slaughtered about 7,000 people, including women and the children. This is known as the massacre of Thessalonica. The emperor at that time was Theodosius. Theodosius was the one who some years before had made the Catholic religion, the official religion of the empire. So here we are talking about a Catholic emperor, about the massacre. Some historians dispute if he ordered it or if he simply allowed it to happen. In any case, the emperor knew of it beforehand and he gave his consent. When the news of the massacre came to the ears of St. Ambrose, who was the Bishop of Milan, where the imperial court was located, he was profoundly disturbed by the action of the emperor. How could he have ordered or simply allowed this indiscriminate slaughter in which innocent people who had nothing to do with the death of the governor were killed? St. Ambrose knew that the action of the emperor was a public sin, and it required a public penance. And he, as the bishop, had not only the right, but the duty to order the emperor to repent and to make reparation for the public scandal he had given. And so, when Theodosius came to the cathedral of Milan, in order to attend Mass after the Massacre, St. Ambrose placed himself at the door of the church and forbade the emperor to come in. He didn't allow Theodosius even to enter the holy place, but he ordered him publicly to repent and to do penance. Just imagine it, the bishop preventing the Roman emperor the most powerful man on earth, to enter the church. Now, looking at what St. Ambrose did to the emperor, one might say that the bishop lacked pastoral dimension, because how could he be so mean to the emperor, to the point of forbidding him to enter the church? St. Ambrose, he knew very well that by calling out the sin of the emperor, he was risking his own peace, and in a certain way, the peace of the entire church in the empire. What if, in response, Theodosius started a persecution? 
I'm sure that Saint Ambrose had some fear of what Theodosius could do. But above the fear of men, the holy bishop had in his heart the fear of God. And this is what gave him courage to do what he had to do. He knew he was not made a bishop to have an easy and comfortable life. He knew he was not made a bishop to be ashamed of the truth, which equals to be ashamed of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the truth. St. Ambrose knew that the truth is not to be concealed, but to be proclaimed, even if the outcome is persecution. St. Ambrose acted out of love for the truth, but also out of charity, true charity, because he cared about the eternal salvation of the soul of the emperor. And that's why he did what he did, like a physician who reveals the sickness to the patient and prescribes the treatment. St. Ambrose denounced the sin of the emperor to his face, deprived him of Holy Communion, and ordered him to do penance. Why? Because he cared about the eternal salvation of the soul of the emperor. Now, Theodosius was not happy at all with the reprimand of his bishop, a public reprimand. However, Thanks to that reprimand, the emperor came to acknowledge his sin and humbly submitted himself to the penance imposed by the church. And after some months of public penance, Theodosius was once again admitted to Holy Communion. And a few years later, he died a holy death. My brethren, the emperor's soul was saved because of the true pastoral dimension of his bishop, because of the true charity of his bishop, who dared to do his duty and to admonish the sin. Wow. Bishop Strickland, we've got only 30 seconds, but I'm, I'm going to have you respond to that first seven minutes of Father from Christ the, uh, inst Christ the Institute of Christ the King, that homily says so much about ch uh, true charity and willingness to be persecuted for the truth. And I'd like to get your perspective as a bishop because, I mean, uh, we have a lot of bishops that need to hear this message from St. Ambrose, I believe. And when we come back from the break, I'd like to get your thoughts because I know you just listened to this just the other day and it touched you. And it's touching me, and it's going to touch everybody else. So stay with us, family. We'll come right back and get Bishop Strickland's comments on the St. Ambrose uh, Pastoral Act back in 390 A.D. and see how it applies to us today. We'll be right back after a short break. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. We're listening to a priest from the Institute of Christ the King give a homily about St. Ambrose, 
that took place back in 390 A.D. Bishop Strickland, tell us your thoughts on what just what you've heard so far. Well, Terry, I find it uh, to be very inspiring. Mm. Um, we need to, all of us, and certainly every bishop in the world today, needs to revisit that moment in the fourth century where St. Ambrose was bold enough to live up to the call of being a bishop. And as the, the homilist indicates, he didn't do so without any trepidation, without wondering how is this emperor going to react, but he knew he had to do the right thing for the sake of Theodosius and for the sake of the church, um, for his own sake yeah. as Bishop Ambrose, mm -hmm. um, a, a saint of the fourth century. And I think this, this homilist, I have no idea really who he is, but he does a masterful job of really just reminding us of what really is the pastoral approach. It's to bring Christ. It's to bring his truth. And he had a very, St. Ambrose had a very difficult situation, which certainly could have gone differently. But we have to trust as bishops and as priests, as deacons and as lay faithful, all of the church, we have to trust in what Christ has told us. We have to believe him that all real power in heaven and on earth is in his hands. I mean, the emperor of Rome was pretty powerful and easily St. Ambrose could have backed down mm -hmm. and could have kind of explained it away. And what occurs to me, I mean, people haven't changed that significantly. Yes, technologies have changed and but I'm sure the buzz in the community was, oh, well, you know, Theodosius is untouchable. And he had the, the popular support of the community, possibly. People saying, oh, well, he's the emperor. So, you know, we had this, what they call the massacre of Thessalonica. Um, about 7,000 people massacred. And Ambrose knew that this was a sinful act for this emperor in the fourth century to support the slaughter of innocent women and children, innocent people that were just there thinking they were there for some sort of entertainment and to support this, uh, this man, but instead they are slaughtered because of the rage of some of the, the soldiers because of what had happened to this leader of theirs. And it, it really parallels so much that's happening in our world today. If we go with popular opinion, if we go with what the crowd is demanding, and it's denying Christ, then we're on a, a dark path. And that's so easy for us to do. This homilist does a masterful job of really reminding us of what my job as a bishop is. And it, it inspires me to recognize that I haven't been strong enough. I haven't been clear enough. Um, no, I don't, I don't have a direct conversation with the emperors of today. We may not call them emperors, but it's the same worldly power. And I think this homilist, as we know, will go on to really focus on that. But 
just looking back in history, it reminds us of the role of a bishop and the reality of one man who happens to be emperor, but he's just one more son of God who is sent. And thanks be to God, uh, the emperor Theodosius, he probably was angry. He probably thought about reacting in many different ways and maybe going after St. Ambrose. But by the grace of God, he woke up to what he needed to do and was to repent of his sins. And because of Ambrose's boldness in being a true bishop of Christ, being a true successor of the apostles, then really what probably many people considered miraculous, that this powerful emperor humbled himself and asked forgiveness. And that was that wasn't just going to confession back then. That was a, a major entering into a penitential time that may have lasted more than a year, um, but certainly a significant penitential time. All we have to do ultimately is go to confession and to be truly sorry for our sins. That's all any leader in the world today needs to be asked to do. But we seem to be reluctant to call them to what what the church of Jesus Christ calls all of us to. So we have this wonderful model of St. Ambrose speaking to the emperor of his time, Theodosius, and by the grace of God, the right outcome happened. And as the homilist said, the emperor died a holy death, and St. Ambrose is a saint. He wasn't St. Ambrose in life. He was Bishop Ambrose, Bishop of Milan. But he lived as a true bishop, benefiting Theodosius and probably many others that saw that example and looked at their own sinfulness and said, maybe I need to repent also. Imagine the impact of that for the people at that time. We have the same power of Jesus Christ, and we need to unleash the power of his mercy and love in our world today. Wow. Bishop Strickland, while you're speaking, I'm thinking there must have been some lay people praying for their bishop because the graces were there for the emperor to convert and repent of his sin and come back to the church. To me, uh, I just, I think, you know, that as a layperson, I hear that, I'm thinking, we need to pray for our bishops, including yourself, all the way to the Pope, to say, please, bishops, Holy Father, everyone, let's really take the example of St. Ambrose and execute this in a way that says, I love you enough to tell you the truth and to call you to repentance and not have what I call false compassion, because I keep quoting Father Bill Casey, he says the most merciless thing you can do is let someone wallow in their sins. And I just think that this is a great model for the modern church today because I think we've gotten away from this pastoral approach of admonishing the sinner. It seems that we've gone to the point where, oh, well, that's under, God understands and kind of make, make excuses for people who are living contrary to the gospel. That's my take on it. Am I onto something or am I exaggerating? Because I'd like to hear what you think. No, I think you're really onto something. And what it, what occurs to me is we only in this story hear about Ambrose. Yeah. But I can imagine that if he was bold enough to do this, mm -hmm. 
that he had the support of other bishops, and mm. certainly, as you're saying, the lay faithful yes. of the whole church. Amen. And that's what we need to do a better job of, is supporting Pope Francis and all the bishops in proclaiming Jesus Christ, in proclaiming the truth of the church, in calling every sinner, including myself. I'm the first to acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I need repentance, reparation, and atonement in my life. Amen. And the more we recognize the truth of our lives, the more humbled we are to recognize how much we need divine mercy. But it's the job of the bishop, and that's what St. Ambrose models, is the job of the bishop to call people to that mercy in the proper way. And I would imagine St. Ambrose had the support of many other bishops of his time in order for him to be as bold as he was to speak up to the emperor, to the leader of the world at his time, and to, to have the result of what the church is about, calling one, one sinner back to the flock. Just recently, we had the gospel of the 99 sheep and the good shepherd leaving the 99 in search of the one lost sheep, the one sinner. And that's what a bishop is called to do. We are to shepherd back all those who have wandered away, certainly continuing to nurture the 99. But when one wanders off into danger through sinfulness, we're obligated to go for them. That That's what Christ uses in that model in the gospel. And St. Ambrose did exactly that. He went for the one lost sheep that was Theodosius and said, sinful man, repent of your sins and return to the way of Christ. You know, Bishop Strickland, there was a priest I knew, Monsignor William Smith. He's the moral theologian for Cardinal O'Connor back in the 70s and 80s. He taught me my moral theology classes on cassette tape 30 years ago. And he said that people like you, single men who are bishops, priests, they have a challenge in their life. They all want to be liked. They don't want to ruffle the feathers of anyone. This is just a natural uh, thing that you have to fight. And so I'm just wondering, Bishop Strickland, you're a bishop of Tyler for the last 10 years. It seems to me that that must be a strong temptation not to ruffle any feathers, just to keep everybody happy and business as usual. And if somebody's committing, you know, serious sins, you know, you kind of just look the other way and say, hey, uh, God's going to have to take care of that. I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to stay quiet. Is that a temptation, not just for bishops, that's a temptation for us parents. But I think that has a huge effect on the church when we just don't want to uh, make waves. Am I onto something there? Absolutely. And as you indicate, it's it's really the same dynamic for parents. Yeah. If you let your children act up and do, you know, just do whatever they want, that it damages them for the future. Okay. And what we're talking about the word short-sighted in very profound ways. That's what it is. It's short-sighted to say, oh, well, we don't want to, to offend people, so we're not going to talk about sin. And you're talking about, yeah, it, it's natural. I, I'm a human being, and we don't want to make people unhappy. Yep. But we as bishops need to remember we're talking about eternal unhappiness or eternal happiness. We have to have the long vision of recognizing what we're built for. Yeah. And if we're doing things today 
that are damaging our hope of eternal life with God, of eternal salvation, then we need to speak up and say, correct your ways, get back on the right path. But it is a temptation, and we give into it all too often. And I've given into it, I have to admit. We give into the temptation to, to not say anything because we don't want to ruffle feathers today. But if we don't ruffle some feathers with the truth today, then likely those that same flock, a different kind of flock than sheep, but all those feathers are going to get fried if we don't look long-term and look to eternal happiness as the goal that we're responsible for. Amen. As Bishop Sheen says, if souls are saved, everything is saved. If souls aren't saved, nothing is saved. We're talking about the Institute Christ the King homily from one of their priests uh, regarding St. Ambrose. When we come back, we'll play another clip and get commentary from the good bishop. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. As I said, put your seatbelt on. This is the St. Ambrose pastoral approach to admonishing sinners. We heard a section of the homily from Christ the King Institute, and Bishop Strickland gave us his thoughts on it. And I want to play this next segment. It's going to take most of the segment, but then on the fourth segment, too, we'll have Bishop Strickland talk about it. So, Mr. Engineer, play that clip. My brethren, the emperor's soul was saved because of the true pastoral dimension of his bishop, because of the true charity of his bishop, who dared to do his duty and to admonish the sin. Hang on but a why do I speak about that to you? Pause that for a minute. Because, my brethren. I just want to pause it, Bishop Strickland, because he said it all right there. He was willing to admonish the sinner for the salvation of the sinner's soul and his own soul. I just think that that takes courage. And I'm, I'm saying, you know, it's not easy to do what he did. And I just want to acknowledge that uh, what, I'm, what, we're, what he's asking us to do is not uh, unmanageable. It just means that we have to do our duty. And so let's continue with that, Mr. Engineer. We have similar things going on today. Many politicians in this country who call themselves Catholics are guilty of a slaughter worse than the one of Thessalonica. In that massacre, 7,000 people were killed. But in the great massacre of our days called abortion, only in this country, we have about 12,000 12,000 innocent babies. Hey, stop for a minute, Richard. Single... Stop for a minute. Bishop Strickland, did you want to comment? Or we'll continue. No, keep going. Continue on. Around 50,000 a month. More than 600,000 a year. Only in this country. Many people invested with authority have not only consented to the evil of abortion by not doing anything in order to eradicate this plague from society. But they have even promoted abortion with their words, with their actions, with their laws. 
They try to justify abortion. But the truth is that a procured abortion, a direct abortion, can never be justified. It's always gravely sinful because it is the deliberate killing of an innocent human being. And this is the teaching of the church based upon the natural law, but also upon the word of God. This is what the church has always taught and teaches. So if someone would refuse to accept this truth, which means if someone would obstinately deny or doubt the truth about the intrinsic evil of abortion, this person would be placing himself outside of the communion of the church because he would be rejecting a truth of our faith. That's why there can be no such a thing as a pro-abortion Catholic. Either you are pro-abortion or you are Catholic. These two things cannot go together because one excludes the other. So no Catholic can be pro-abortion. But for politicians declaring oneself pro-abortion or working to promote abortion in any way is not only a grave sin, but also a public scandal. It is public and not simply a matter of conscience left to each one to decide. No. But the public sinner must be admonished by the church authority. And if he chooses to persevere in his evil ways, he must be denied Holy Communion. And this is not me, but the right thing to do. It is in fact the only thing to do. And this is charitable because we care about the eternal salvation of the soul. Letting someone receive the Most Holy Eucharist in a state of public grave sin constitutes a sacrilege, not only for the one who receives the sacrament, but also for the one who knowingly gives it. Any priest, bishop, and even the Pope, anyone, is forbidden by divine law to allow public sinners who persevere in their sins to receive Holy Communion. And this question is not negotiable. But today, we hear the opposite. How many false prophets, how many preachers of a false mercy, which does not require repentance, a mercy that does not require conversion. They do exactly the opposite of what St. Ambrose did. Instead of admonishing the public sinner as true shepherds of God, they remain silent and pretend nothing is wrong. False prophets of a false mercy. My brethren, it constitutes a grave scandal in the church today when pro-abortion politicians are admitted to Holy Communion. And many do so under the gaze of their bishops. Just imagine if St. Ambrose had not confronted the emperor and denounced his sin. Imagine if he didn't care and simply let Theodosius to approach Holy Communion with that public grave sin on his soul. 
Imagine what would have happened. I tell you what would have happened. Theodosius would be now in hell together with his bishop. So my brethren, we must pray. Pray that all priests, but especially the bishops and the Pope himself, will follow the example of St. Ambrose and have in their hearts the fear of God above the fear of men. We pray that they will have the courage to do their duty and to admonish the politicians who promote the massacre of abortion or other policies which go against the law of God. Let them not be afraid of men, but afraid of the one who will come to judge them on the last day. So let the pastors admonish the public seniors, as St. Ambrose did with Theodosius. And let the so-called Catholic politicians who promote abortion have the humility to imitate that great emperor and acknowledge their sins and do penance. And then, only then, once they have confessed their sins and made public penance for the scandal they have caused, they may be admitted to Holy Communion, not before, period. So I thought necessary to make this matter clear to you all. So when we hear about what is going on today, we know what is right and what is wrong. Remember, right is right and wrong is wrong, no matter who does it. So let us not lose hope in these times of confusion in the world and in the church. The devil wants us to be discouraged in seeing all the craziness that is going on. But let us not give up hope. Let us persevere in our good works. They are not useless. But let us persevere in our good works. And above all, let us understand that in order to do our part in overcoming all the evil in the world, we should, first of all, to look for the conversion of our own heart. That's where it must start. We have to remove sin from our lives and look for holiness. That's where we start. Before trying to reform the others, we know we should start with ourselves. But what about those who promote evil? My brethren, let us not hate them. Let's not hate them because hate is not part of our faith. Let us remember that Christ our Lord shed his blood for each one of them as well. So let us pray for them that they may convert and come to have eternal life. So let us pray for those who promote evil, that they may convert before it is too late. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Wow, Bishop Strickland. I just say amen, amen, amen. What a sermon. Your thoughts. And, and Bishop Strickland, we're going to have to take it to about a minute and a half, and then on the last segment, I really want to hear what you have to say. Go ahead. Well, he really nails it. Yeah. Uh, you have to say that. Oh, he yeah. says it well. He says it with clarity and charity. Mm. And importantly, what I will point out oh. before the break is 
He says it starts with us. Exactly. It starts with me. Remove sin. As, as just one more son of God, yeah. a sinful son of God, it starts with my conversion, yeah. my deeper commitment, my turning from sin, and yours as well. And yeah. it starts with each of us. And that's that's exactly what the what we need to remember. It gets frustrating. It gets confusing. It gets frightening what's going on. Yes. But we just have to remember when we see the, the corruption that is happening, just like in the time of Ambrose and Theodosius, we turn to the Lord and we remember his light and truth. And as the homilist says, we continue to do our good works. We continue to seek virtue. We continue to repent of our sins. Well said. And I'd like to ask you to comment on what he talked about, sins of omission, this idea of false mercy, false prophets, and much more when we come back from the break. I also want to promote uh, the St. Philip Institute.org on our program today because this is something that Bishop Strickland and his diocese has put out, especially on catechizing people on the faith. That's the St. Philip Institute.org. Go to their website, get more information on that. And when we come back, the last segment, let's talk about this wonderful homilist from the Institute of Christ the King in Chicago. That will be a, a great commentary when we come right back. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. I just love this homily. I think I'm going to listen to it for the rest of my life because it gives me a real sense of my own sinfulness and my own need to convert and to really um, speak the truth in charity. But Bishop Strickland, this last uh, part of the homily, he nailed it on a lot of issues, whether it was true charity, uh, you know, the uh, not being afraid of being persecuted. Give me your thoughts on the last part of that homily, please. Well, like you said, Terry, he just, he really nails it. He gives, in a, a few minutes, really describes how we as disciples of Jesus Christ in the 21st century, Roman Catholics, how we all are called to behave. And certainly as one bishop among many, um, it really struck me the the point that he made that if if St. Ambrose mm -hmm. hadn't stood firm about the truth of the gospel and challenged Theodosius, as he said, Theodosius would have ended up in hell for this massacre and the bishop would have been with him. And that really woke me up sure. uh, to recognize, like we were saying before the break, that all of us, we need to take this personally. We need to acknowledge the ways that I need ongoing conversion. I need repentance from my sins. I need to grow in virtue and to make reparation and atonement, like the homilist talks about doing the good works that flow from living the gospel. But I think it's, um, as I mentioned earlier, I think it highlights that bishops need to support each other today in being faithful to Christ, being faithful to the church. As the homilist says, he's he doesn't make any b b beans about, I mean, he is very clear 
that this is the teaching of the church. Mm -hmm. Abortion is murder of the unborn child. Um, that is very clear. The church proclaims that that is the truth. And th therefore, to promote abortion, and, and that's what we're facing, is not just saying, well, a few abortions is okay, or when, it, when we just can't avoid it, but what's being done by the emperors of today is really flagrantly promoting abortion and promoting the machinery that abortion requires in our society. The emperors of today are promoting slaughter and massacre of the innocents. And the bishops of today aren't following the Ambrosian model all too often. We need to support each other. We need to support the Bishop of Rome, Pope Francis. We all need to support each other in Christ. We hear a lot about the lack of unity among bishops or a lack of unity in the church. Absolutely, Christ prayed for unity. There is much fracturing in the church and beyond the Catholic world into Christianity. There's a sad lack of unity, but we always have to remember that unity is in Christ. And I think that that's one of the points that this homilist makes, maybe not directly, but he reminds us that's Jesus Christ is where our strength and our unity comes from. And I think it just does a masterful job of reminding us that we have to speak the truth, especially as bishops, but really as all of us, as those who are baptized into life in Jesus Christ. As Catholics, we have to live what the church teaches. And if we claim to be Catholic like Theodosius or the emperors of our time, if they, we claim to be Catholic, but we're denying and working actively against basic teachings of the church, like the immorality of abortion and that abortion is murder of unborn children, when we're actively working against that, the bishops have to call out the emperors of today, which are all the politicians, the leadership, the leaders of the free world, as they, they're called, um, they have to be called out by the bishops of today. And too often that's not happening. And I think part of the reasons that's not happening is bishops don't feel that support from their brother bishops. Mm. We have to, again, we have to support Pope Francis in living Christ. And we have to support each other as bishops to, to live Christ and to teach clearly his teaching. And all of this questioning of that teaching We've just got to wake up to the reality. St. Ambrose was very awake to the reality of what Christ calls us to. And this homilist is obviously inspired by St. Ambrose and that kind of faith. We need the Ambrosian model to really strengthen the bishops of today. In whatever country, in whatever part of the world, it doesn't really matter. I mean, bishops are bishops. The church is universal. Amen. It's one holy Catholic and apostolic. The church is scattered across the planet in virtually every culture and every language. And there are bishops in all of those places. We bishops need to support each other in not going with the noise of the crowd, 
like St. Ambrose could have, but he didn't. He listened to the voice of Christ. We bishops need to support each other in listening to the voice of Christ and not letting the noise of the crowd and the, the, the words of the politicians of today, today's emperors, not let them sway us away from the truth that we know is in Jesus Christ. He is truth incarnate. He is the face of truth. And as the homilist points out in our modern controversy, uh, receiving communion and denying Christ at the same time, it's a, it's a spiritual schizophrenia that does what actual, the sad mental reality of schizophrenia, it's destructive to the person's life. This is destructive to the body of Christ, the church, and it's destructive to the individuals. And like the homilist points out, if St. Ambrose hadn't stood up to Theodosius and called him to conversion, they'd both end up in hell. We have to believe that, we have to know that, and we have to work to, for the salvation of souls. That is why Jesus Christ came. Wow, why don't you really tell me what you think, Bishop Strickland? I, I love it. You know, I, I think of uh, Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18. An old, he didn't mention it in the homily, but it just came to my mind that uh, the Bible says, If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade the wicked from their evil conduct in order to save their lives, then they shall die for their sin but I will hold you responsible for their blood. I think of that verse because of what this homily just said, that we participate in that sin by being silent. And also, and this is just my take, and you correct me, I'm just a, 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 I'm a dad, I'm a layman, I have no authority, but it, this, is, this particular homily made me really realize my own, um, you know, weakness sometimes with my own family and saying, Terry, you got to step up to the plate and you've got to be more bold and not worry, oh, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. Do the right thing and not worry about the consequences. And I think that applies again, Bishop Strickland, to people like you as bishops. You have, you're our spiritual fathers. And I think of priest friends of mine saying to me, my spiritual father, the bishop, he's not, he doesn't care about me. Some priests tell me that, Bishop, and I just think that's very sad. Yeah, well, it certainly was a, a wake-up call for me <laughs> as just one one bishop among many, many bishops. Yeah. But I have the same responsibility of every other bishop, and that's why I said we need to really support each other and speak up to support each other and to support the message of Jesus Christ. It's very clear. We talk about it all the time in the catechism. The truth I loved what, what he said, that right is right and wrong is wrong. Period. Whoever's doing it, yeah. you know. And that, that it's not, you know, subject to the individual. It's right or it's wrong, whoever's doing it. Um, and I think that that clarity is what the world needs and what Christ calls us to. It's a clarity of truth that... As the homilist said, it sets us free. Mm. It sets us free from all the darkness and the massacres of whatever form they take in the world. Sin is always massacring us, and we need to awaken to that. And bishops have the job of 
awakening themselves and then awakening the flock. Well, I'll leave you on this note before you do the blessing. You know, Monsignor George Kelly wrote a book, The Battle for the Church. He says, where is the church going where its leaders take them? People like you, Bishop, will inspire me just like St. Ambrose inspired me and what he did back in the 4th century. I mean, this is the beauty of our Catholic Church, man. We, we've got 2,000 years of doing this. And it seems to me that our big brothers and sisters, the saints, are great role models for us to follow. That's my thought. Absolutely. And I'm reminded of St. Dominic that oh. we just celebrated, who said, as he was dying, brothers, don't worry. I'll have much more power in the next life than I've ever had here. That's what we need to remember. Yeah. The power of Jesus Christ flows through the saints because they live faithfully his truth. Wow. Bishop Strickland, could you, uh, and I'll, before you do the blessing, I want people to take this podcast, the recording that goes up today, send it to your friends and family. I would imagine, I would love to see every Catholic bishop and priest, at least in our country, get a copy of this homily because I really think it will benefit the church greatly. So I'm going to count on our listeners to forward this all over the place because this homily needs to be heard loud and clear. And I would uh, encourage everyone to do that. How about a final blessing, Bishop Strickland? Almighty God, we thank you for the light and truth that your son has brought to us. Help us to trust that he is still with us in the power of your spirit. May all of us be inspired as a church to adopt this Ambrosian model of living the gospel with joy, with clarity, with true compassion, and bringing pastorally the message of the gospel to every person and calling us all to repentance. And we ask this blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I want to also encourage you, our listeners, if you have a Catholic radio station, mention the Bishop Strickland Hour to them. We're getting more stations to pick up this show, but we can't do it without you. And also, if you want to hear any of the other shows that we have on vmpr.org, just go to the website, vmpr.org. Check us all out. And I want to just say thank you, Bishop Strickland, for speaking so clear on our Catholic faith. May God bless you and the people of Tyler, Texas. Again, next week, we'll have another show, God willing. And uh, thank you for your support, folks, for supporting VMPR. And I just have to thank you for all of the work you've been doing for us. God love you and your family.